welcome to Bridgerton Fancast, a podcast created by two fangirls to discuss the fabulous Netflix show Bridgerton. Uh, we are your hosts. I'm Michelle. I live in the States. You can find me at Musings on Instagram and Twitter. That's three M's and Usings. Musings. And my name is Rita. I live in England. I'm at Rita Bites on Instagram and Twitter, and it's spelled <laughs> Rita Bites. That's going to be my bit from now on. <laughs> Thank you to everyone who has supported this new show. We have had an outpouring of kind words and we really appreciate that you guys are cheering us on. A special shout out to LambiePie23 for giving us our first five star review. <laughs> Just like... Oh my god. Uh, we <laughs> love you. But anyway, enough of that <laughs> soppy stuff. Let's get on with the show. Uh, so, epitope, epitode, epitode, epitode. <laughs> episode two is titled Shock and Delight and was written by Janet Lynn and directed by Tom Verica, Verica, probably. Um, here's a quick recap to remind ourselves what went down in the episode. Okay. We begin with a flashback to the Duchess of Hastings, Simon's mother, dying in childbirth. You know, a nice cheery start. Yeah. Uh, but her husband doesn't seem to give too much of a damn because he finally has the son and heir he has always longed for. Back in the present day of 1813 and the morning after Vauxhall, Lady Whistledown declares Daphne's triumphant return to the top of the debutante heap. Daph's first order of business is to meet Simon for a promenade where they discuss the terms and conditions of their arrangement. I shall grant you four. Six bills. Five. Six. And you must send flowers today. Expensive ones. If you were truly courting me, you'd buy out every florist in town. If I were truly courting you, I would not need flowers. I'd be five minutes alone with you in a drawing room. Daphne, of course, gets her way. Over at the Featheringtons, the three Ps of Penelope, Prudence, and Philippa are all gossiping about Marina's bun in the oven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As I am wont to call it. Which leads Penelope to wonder how this whole baby-making thing happens, especially out of wedlock. She consults with Eloise, who is also none the wiser. But Eloise is much, much more belligerent in her approach. She ends up screaming, How are babies made? <laughs> At her family. <laughs> Obviously, she gets no answer from her mama on the subject. That would be most improper. But it becomes clear that the Bridgerton ladies, yes, even Daphne, are quite ignorant on the subject. Anthony and Nigel arrive at the Bridgerton home. Unfortunately for Nigel, the place is bursting to the brim with suitors for Daphne. He demands to know what's going on because he believes himself to be engaged to the girl. Anthony throws everyone out of his house and then begins interrogating his mother and sister. He points out that all these suitors are well and good, but they are not proposals. At the moment, Bear Brooks is the only one on the table. He starts drawing up a marriage contract, much to the entire universe's collective annoyance. Violet Bridgerton is 100% convinced that it won't signify because the Duke will propose. But Daphne, knowing that truth, begins to look increasingly worried. In a very obvious excuse to get him shirtless, Simon is boxing. <laughs> Midway through this display of manliness, he's interrupted by Anthony, who jumps into the ring and starts fighting him. Anthony tells him it is so not cool to go after your friend's sisters, which is a fair point, and that Daphne is already engaged <laughs> to Nigel, 
a rather ridiculous point because Daphne has, of course, not agreed. He points out that Simon's partiality for brothels and gambling halls make him a rather less attractive offering, and that although he may like him, he must put his family above all else. Uh, pot calling kettle black. Flashback to a four-year-old Simon whose father threatens to beat him if he does not begin speaking. When Simon does speak, however, he stutters. His father then freaks out about his son being a half-wit, quote, end quote, and his title going down the pan. Back to present day, Penelope sneaks into Marina's room to ask her how babies are made. Marina tells her it was cake. <laughs> there is a Rihanna song about cake. <laughs> uh, that's rather unhelpful, of course. Apparently, she met a man called Sir George Crane, and he gave her cake in church, and somehow a romance blossomed. He knocked her up and then joined the army, fighting with Wellington in Spain. Mystery solved, then. <sighs> Another flashback. Yes. Lady Danbury finds out that poor little Simon has been shuttered away by the Duke and rescues him, promising to teach him not to stutter, but that in return he must be worthy of the attention he will command as an adult. About... Yes. 20 minutes into the show now, and there's another ball. <laughs> and not a last. Not the last ball. I'm not going to complain because... We love a ball. I love them. Yes, we love a ball. Um, after a very cute Simon and Daphne dance scene, oh, Nigel approaches Anthony to further press his suit. Simon interrupts and tells Anthony that the black eye Nigel is sporting comes courtesy of Daphne, who had to punch him after he got grabby at Vauxhall. Anthony... To his credit, immediately tells Burbrook to go to hell. He finally got something right, you guys. I'm so proud. <laughs> Daphne, however, is not best pleased with Simon's intervention, correctly intuiting Nigel's sense of entitlement. On Simon's walk home, he is accosted by Nigel, who demands to know why the Duke hasn't proposed yet. Nigel suspects that it's because Simon has already had her. And after insulting Daphne's honor, he then begins trash-talking Simon for having a terrible father. I'm not sure how that's his fault, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Simon beats the crap out of him. <laughs> I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fight him mm -hmm, mm. on this mm -hmm. one. This was a good yeah. move. Uh, cue up another flashback. Simon is a few years older now and looking quite the dapper young man. He and Lady Danbury ambushes father in his study to show him that Simon can talk now. Yay! Um, except he withers under the intense scrutiny of his father, who proceeds to call him his, quote, biggest failure and insult the boy's mother and Lady Danbury. What a guy. Just wow. Back in 1813 and it's the next day. Lady Whistledown declares herself quite confused as to why Daphne would entertain a mere baron like Bearbrook when she has secured the interest of a duke. A duke? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Everyone is gossiping about it at the picnic. Yes. So Daph does what any reasonable woman would do and uses Simon to get the attention of all the men in attendance. <laughs> Unfortunately for her, she is interrupted by a furious Nigel sporting a very smashed up face. Yeah. <laughs> he has gone insane and secured himself a special license, <laughs> special marriage license to Daphne. He blackmails the Bridgertons with the knowledge that he was alone with Daphne at Vauxhall Gardens, potentially ruining her and her sister's reputation. Anthony's immediate response is to duel him, which is dumb. But anyway... 
Daphne points out that if Nigel opens his tiny mouth before Anthony shoots him, she will be ruined. They need another idea. Luckily for everyone, Queen Charlotte is bored. <laughs> there have been no compelling betrothals this season, and she has decided to take matters into her own hands and invite Violet Bridgerton to tea. When the Queen mentions how gossipy her household is, Violet is struck with a sudden plan. Okay, so she invites Bearbrick's mother to tea, and while she listens to the grotesque prattlings of his mother, <sighs> who sees absolutely no flaws in her son, downstairs in the kitchen her lady's maid is pumped for any gossip about Nigel. They strike gold. <laughs> he has an illegitimate child with his maid that he refuses to provide for. Now they must do what women do best. Gossip. <laughs> After a fab montage of everyone spreading the news, it's soon in Lady Whistledown's column, which promptly humiliates Bearbrick enough to leave town, and I'm saying hopefully into providing funds for his son. We, we, you would think. we hope. <laughs> I don't really see it happening. <laughs> well, now Nigel is handled. Daphne can prepare herself for another ball. Yes. Another, one. another ball. All of this in one hour. <laughs> <laughs> give me more um while she is dressing eloise asks her if she is at all frightened to be married and have children surely you've not forgotten what happened to mama her screams that night you tried to hide it by singing to me but her voice rattled the windows i hear them sometimes still in my dreams she almost died mere months after papa Daphne tries to reassure her that although the path may be perilous, that having a family is worth it. Eloise remains unconvinced. Okay, it's ball time. There is a really great violin cover of Shawn Mendes' In My Blood playing as Daphne and Simon make their way to yet another dance floor. As they waltz, Daphne tells him that she can't quite have anything go wrong because more than impressing the queen or Lady Whistledown, what Daphne wants is a good match to build her life around. We are truly to seem to be courting, but this is to be a match like no other. Then you should call me by my name. Very well. Simon. <laughs> is there something funny about my name? No, no, no. It is perfectly fine. Oh, perfectly fine. <laughs> Very well, Daphne. And although they are 100% flirting with each other, they both walk away after their dance. Simon watches as Daphne begins dancing with other men. The show ends with another flashback, this time to the more recent past. Simon arrives at his father's deathbed. What a shame. His asshole father is telling him how proud he is of him now that he will continue the Great Hastings name. Unsurprisingly, that doesn't really thrill Simon. He vows to never marry or have an heir. The Hastings name will die with him. I mean, does he not have any cousins? Anyway, his father <laughs> tries to not. speak, <laughs> but ends up just spluttering instead. Oh, how the turntables. <laughs> we love a Michael Scott reference. And yes. the episode has ended. Jam-packed with the kind of backstory that you need to to build up um a character especially a character who has come into the show pretty mysteriously um <laughs> and uh so you know now we understand why he 
says what he says, what he does, what he does, and um, kind of why. Why he's so sexy and brooding. Mm-hmm. Always love a good rationale for being sexy and brooding. But right? then again, sometimes you just don't even need a reason. But <sighs> I'm glad that that is a reason. Yeah, yeah me too. Me too. I thought that uh, the way that they used the flashbacks uh, intermingled with uh, present day worked really well. And such great acting from those little kids. I really know. Oh my God. Yeah, they I did. I think like 90% of why I like Simon is because of that one little kid when he's four. <laughs> like, yes. Ah, poor poor little baby. baby. I think like that was the most emotional part of the episode for me when mm-hmm. he's uh when his dad goes to hit him with the hairbrush oh god oh, that god. was just horrific yeah. let's see um some of the other storylines that we had this episode um violet coming into her own as matron of the family i loved the way violet used her like soft power mm-hmm. in a way to like help her daughter yeah. Um, they managed to weaponize equality women are often derided for. Women be talking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but she used it against all of the men. Because, you yes. see, at first the montage started with her like talking to her dressmaker and then all of the maids got in on the action and then they mm-hmm. spread it to the young matrons and then they spread it to the men and then the men spread it to Burbrick and like <laughs> it's just so sneaky and underhand um, mm. I love it it was mm-hmm. beautiful I am here for it um but yeah um I really love the fact that um Violet is you know has established herself you know I mean you know first with Anthony um <laughs> basically telling him uh no 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 you need to mind your mind your business and let this work out um so yeah i was thrilled or i i could i could even say i was chuffed <laughs> i don't think anybody <laughs> says that anymore but lovely <laughs> and i love i love her scene with the queen a the woman mm-hmm. playing the queen is just amazing yeah she's sensational every time she's on screen but yeah i mean i i just adore i adore her (laughs) i can't get enough of the queen and you know the queen isn't in the books at all so this is like oh really yeah she's entirely like a new addition um (gasps) so this whole idea is excellent and having her like keep an eye on the bridgertons and take them under her Mm -hmm. wing is brilliant and then Mm. violet using that is (laughs) oh i love women Uh. being smart yeah, me too. Smart and crafty. Um, let's see. <laughs> Daphne's efforts to try and shake off Burbrook. Um, I thought I thought that was delightful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got really like sad for her when she was like, "Oh, I've got to marry him. I don't really have a choice." Yeah. Um, in that carriage scene, and then the following scene afterward, where Violet's talking to her like really broke my heart um as much as this was like getting to know simon's backstory i think this episode also set up what daphne wants and what's important Mm -hmm. to her yeah and i love that daphne really grew this episode as well It it went from being just about proving herself to whistle down and the queen and that she's better than people assume to like oh no, I have to find a really good husband because otherwise I'm going right. to be miserable for the rest of my life. Um, mm-hmm. 
And that scene with Eloise made me kind of annoyed at Eloise because I was like, this isn't really a facade. I think Daphne really does believe in the institution of marriage and she wants mm-hmm. a family and that's just as legitimate as what Eloise wants, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it you know, it, it, it demonstrates the it demonstrates what we as women in the 21st century um champion you know being able to determine one's own destiny you really want to have good husband and a family or a good partner i should say and a family um you should be able to do that if you want to remain single that should not be an issue for anyone. If you want to remain childless, that should not be an issue. So, you know, it's a, it's, it's a history lesson in, uh, you know, a part of women's liberation that happened during the course of this story. This is, this is, this is just a, a feminist's dream come true. And then finally, we have uh, Marina's backstory. You know, the mysterious... Cake, immaculate cake birth. Yeah, the <laughs> the person that arrives, you know, is mysterious and then all of a sudden becomes very intriguing because Bebe is on the way. Uh, we now understand what happened. <laughs> and the fact that nobody knows how babies are made. It was just like... <laughs> Oh, okay. You met someone. Mm-hmm. He gave you cake. It's very hard to he buy into. It's just such a. He gave you cake. Please, folks. Um, can we get a little bit more information around kind of how all this happened? And you, you know, of course, this guy is not going to come back. No, he's dead. <laughs> I mean, oh yeah, he's he's dead. He's been fighting. He's fighting with Wellington in Spain. He's a goner. <laughs> they famously lose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's a goner. Bye. R.I.P. So. <laughs> exactly. We we never even knew ye. <laughs> All we knew about you was that you had cake. <laughs> I sure hope it was good cake. Better than good cake. Oh, Marina. Set your standards higher next time you lose, mm-hmm. <laughs> you lose your chance mm-hmm. next time. Um, yeah. <sighs> So, favorite scenes. So, I mentioned this earlier, but uh, the Violet Daphne scene in her bedroom. Yeah. Where Daphne confesses that she wanted a marriage like her parents, mm-hmm. like broke me in yeah. uh, spirit. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, yeah, that was that was lovely. I just think that the the marriage between Violet and her husband is going to be such an important plot point to like. Well, okay, I've read the book, so I do know that it is. It's like establishing like the standard for the children of what they want mm-hmm. in a relationship mm-hmm. in a partnership and like you have to sort of buy into that buy into any yeah. of the romances that are going to come and they are going to come because the show is intensely popular <laughs> <laughs> and i think like it, i'm so, i'm so happy that it's it's gotten so popular and that there's momentum um so yay plus it's netflix so we don't have this will they won't they crap that we get with um public television. Another um minor thing that I want to mention is you know when mm-hmm. Violet visits the queen 
there yes. there was like a maybe two or three second frame of the old structure of Buckingham Palace. Um, the building mm-hmm. was originally intended as a private retreat for her. Yeah. She it was accordingly known as the Queen's House and. Mm. Remodeling of the structure actually began in 1762, which is why there was a whole load of scaffolding on the building, and it was shown on the show. And I remember being like, "Oh!" Um, the remodeling <laughs> continued all the way until 1837, when it became Queen Victoria's primary residence. And if you know, we watched <laughs> Young Victoria recently. Yes. She even says, "I will be the first monarch to live there." Um, that's mm-hmm. only technically true. The Queen Charlotte did live there, but she wasn't a monarch. Ah, yeah. So that's fascinating. Um, by that point, they'd built like the external facade that we're all familiar with today. That is what we mm-hmm. saw was like is right at the back. Um, until then, St James's Palace was the official ceremonial royal residence, which we saw in episode one, you know, where the ladies took their bows in front of the queen. Mm-hmm. You know, and I love this kind of detail. It was, like I said, only two-second frame, but I think it goes a long way to ground the show in a time of place and mm-hmm. just... Uh, oh, God. Thank I love the history stuff. Thank you for sharing that. I mean, I could go on. I was like, I need to like not mention the history aspect so much because the show is incredibly historically inaccurate. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, when it has those moments of um, historical accuracy, you know, I think it's great to call those out um, because you know it you know, having this little tidbit of information just kind of makes that uh two second scene um a little bit more special a little more contextual and uh so that's i i just i just love that's it like such a, a fundamental yeah. part of what a historical romance is though because what these authors do is they take places that were popular like voxel gardens for instance and like literally mm-hmm. every romance novel has to meet at voxel gardens <laughs> at some point <laughs> um so you will just like get dots of actual history and you get to learn yeah. about like who was the king and who was the queen and um you just learn more about history as you watch this incredibly trashy show <laughs> mm-hmm. i've got a question for you uh speaking of ladies taking bows do they still do that? They did it into a until about 1953 or something. Um, Queen Elizabeth II, the monarch, was like, mm-hmm. we ain't doing this anymore. This is archaic. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. <laughs> I don't get time for this. I think they still have, you know, the debutante balls here. I was going to say, they do it in America because there's that episode of Gilmore Girls where <laughs> Rory Rory's a Deb. Yeah. But it's not really done here, which is ironic, really, because we have an actual queen. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, anyhow, so least favorite. Obviously going to have to mention the Marina backstory being incredibly underwhelming and very thin. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and it was it was it was typical, you know, and it's one of those things that it would have been so much more interesting if you know, there was, you know, any hope that this person could wind up coming back. <laughs> you know, it's just kind of like, okay, great. Well, she had this thing and... She just spent all episode locked in a room as well. It was like... Yeah. I don't know that it, there was any movement in that story at all. It just was like, am I supposed to care? 
Am I? <laughs> I I'm hoping that this is going to go someplace. Yeah, especially since you know this is a character who, as you said last week, is not in the book. I might have to revise that a little bit later. Huh? We'll get to it in inbox, but I'll explain. Okay. Um. Performer of the episode. What? Who? Who? Do you, who stood out to you? Oh gosh. Um. Well. Um. I really enjoyed. Uh, the way that Phoebe, I'm going to screw up her last name, Phoebe Devenner, um, the actress who's playing Daphne. Denova? Um, you know, we, it, it could be. Um, Sorry, Phoebe. I think, we're, I think we're, we're, you know, something, I think that we need to, to step yeah. up our game. <laughs> I've never heard anyone actually say it aloud. I've only ever read it. Yeah. Anyhow, uh, Phoebe, the actress who's playing Daphne, um, I thought that, you know, we had the opportunity to, as you mentioned earlier, to see her character um, become a little more multidimensional. You know, it's 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 like we're seeing both she and Simon, um, you know, becoming less of uh, like a paper cutout and more of a three dimensional uh, person. So um, I thought that that they were able to get started on on that um, and do a, a fine job with that. I also, is it Reggie Jean Page? It's Reggae, reggae. Jean. Reggae. Because okay. it's French. <laughs> reggae Jean it makes Page. Sense if you read it with a French accent. Um, if you read it in, with an English accent, it's Reggie Jean Page, which is not as sexy. Yes, yes. Which is not, not good at all. Um, I, yeah, I... He is, you can't take your eyes off him when he's on screen. And it's not just because he's pretty. Though he is. He is because, yeah, he is he's a fine. <laughs> um, he is just compelling. Absolutely compelling. What a find for this role. I know. Um, he really blew me away in that final scene with his father. You know, as you said, mm-hmm. he has a very magnetic screen presence. Uh, but until this episode, I'd mostly just thought he was there because he was sexy and smoldering. <laughs> <I was, laughs> yes. Um, which, don't get me wrong, he is very good at that. Um, but this was yeah. an opportunity for some oh, yeah. capital A acting. Some acting. Yeah. Um, um, mm-hmm. And this scene, I think, is really important for the birth of his conflict and anxiety. Mm-hmm. throughout the rest of the series um it's very very important because yeah. going forward i know that there will be a lot of tension between him really really wanting to marry her and him being like <laughs> but i promised say so, but what about what about that vow you know he really sold yeah. the intensity of that moment it could have been so silly like when you actually think mm-hmm. about it <laughs> He's talking mm-hmm. to somebody who's dying, being like, I'm going to screw you over. Um, but you just absolutely mm-hmm. 100% believe in him and believe in this conflict and support his decision. Yeah. So that's amazing. Mm-hmm. I had actual, mm-hmm. this whole storyline gave me actual flashbacks to childhood. <laughs> um, uh, during Simon's scenes with his father, because um, as a child I had selective mutism, which was... Oh! I know, heck, can you believe? I never shut up now. Um <laughs> It's like a severe anxiety disorder where you're physically unable to speak in um, certain situations. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, after about Mm -hmm. the age of eight, I started talking. But some of my teachers would yell at me like that. Um, They weren't really 
it, it was the early 90s. They did not have the skill sets to do yeah. with that. But um, yeah. yeah, that was really hard to watch. I felt so bad for the kid. Oh, wow. That is intense. Um, but yeah, I I think that we are very fortunate to be able to see um, the birth of Simon. <laughs> yeah, the birth of Simon. And uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward uh, to how... <laughs> how they're going to navigate through all of this <laughs> as the story goes forward. <laughs> it's such a mess, right? It's the biggest mess. You're like, this is not going to... Yeah. You, this is yeah. going to be stressful. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Oh, how many bees out of five? Oh, God. This is going to get boring, but five. I, I, I just... I lapped this episode up. I mean, I'm looking forward to watching it again before I dive into the next episode, um, just because it was so good. I ended up watching this episode three times. Yeah. Uh, obviously, one of them was for the recap, but like the yeah. third time was just because <laughs> I really wanted to see it again. You, I'm really, as much as I complain that I really, I really, really want to see episode three, um, I'm glad that we're doing it this way because I think the process of taking my time and watching it especially the mm -hmm. recap i noticed things that i wouldn't have if i just yeah watched it once and was like <laughs> like a junkie i need to get to the next episode man oh god um, and you notice details and some some lines stand out more and the performances are mm -hmm. better like third time round, and it's Yes. really rewarding i'm so glad we're doing this yes the best way yes. to enjoy television um and i didn't say but i would also give it a five <laughs> um you know i think and this may be something to think about how how married are you to the bees very okay i was gonna suggest you don't understand i, I was gonna suggest you don't understand <laughs> i was going to suggest waistcoats but no <laughs> Waistcoats are nice. Bees are like fundamental to the story. <laughs> All right, bees it is. <laughs> Actually, I've seen a photo of um one of the brothers is in a bee waistcoat. Oh god. Maybe we should make it bee waistcoats out of five. Oh god. Well, you know, you know how I feel about waistcoats. Zach, I feel the same Oof. way. I oh. used, you know, I used to be known for my waistcoat wearing. That was my thing. <laughs> Yeah, I I love me a good waistcoat. Anyway, <laughs> we got quite a few emails this week in our inbox. Oh, awesome. So thank you, everyone. We love hearing from you. Uh, but to fit them all in, I mean, some of them were quite long. I had to edit them a bit for time. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but it has to be done. We can't be here. We have to watch episode three. <laughs> Yes, yes. Because recording this is keeping us from watching episode three. I know. <laughs> uh, we're not we're angry. There. Okay, our first email comes from Love Me a Period Drama. It says, hi, fabulous fan cast ladies. Hello. Um, I first learned about Bridgerton earlier this year when I saw an article about the Netflix show. I inhaled the first three books, took a breath, and inhaled the next three books, saving seven and eight for later. I binged the whole season on Christmas Day. I don't know how you guys can stop after each episode and do the podcast. I admire your restraint and appreciate it because it does make it more fun for the fans when you just focus on your reaction on a single episode at a time. 
It is also great that Michelle has, the cat is getting in the way. <laughs> it is also great that Michelle has not read the books and Rita has. So we get that mixed reaction. I'm a bit afraid to make too many comments about the show because I don't want to spoil anything. But I did notice that Rita said that Marina was not a character from the books. This is not true. She is a minor character in a later book. So this season is giving us backstory. Many, many people called me up for this <laughs> on Twitter. Uh -huh. um, hands up, I phrased that very poorly. Um, I knew Marina was in the books. Um, she's not technically in the books, she's mentioned. Um, mm. But I considered her a new character in the sense that she has a new last name, a new personality, a new backstory, she's related to different people. She's like... <laughs> Wow, okay. This episode, I can see where she's going to fill in the same kind of role. Uh -huh. But you make a good point, everyone. I will. I was wrong. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, one scene I could have done without in the first episode was the corset tightening scene. I don't really care that was not historically accurate, that they didn't wear corsets like that in that time frame. But it is a trope. I've seen enough. And you just know the poor girl is going to faint later. And But maybe that is what men, or those who prefer women, say about the male shirtless scenes. We can't get enough of those, even if they don't really add to the storyline. <laughs> I think they just did it for the gag later where she faints on the floor. Dear woman of willpower, you have the strength of a Lady Danbury. I've watched all the episodes, couldn't stop. Now I'm following along with you watching one at a time. Thanks for making the sacrifice of giving each lovely episode a separate podcast. Glad Netflix has piles of money and decided to spend it on glorious costumes, music, food creations, carriages, horses, and flowers. And also, there was a champagne tower. Do you remember yes. the champagne and the flowers? Anyway, yes. even the wisteria at the Bridgeton House is fabulous. And the contrast between the dresses the Queen and her ladies wear compared to those of the debutantes is striking, along with their hairstyles. Oh my god, their hair. It's all yeah. perfection upon perfection. Question for Rita, are the books as sexy and amazing as the TV series? Answer, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, now I have to read the books. Okay, but well, you have to Because wait. when we finish the show, I will read the books only to only on what they cover in the show that would just be the first book i imagine yeah so then that way i can continue to remain unspoiled for season two <laughs> which we will get in like 2025 with the wedding oh, <laughs> god at this at yeah, yeah the rate this is going uh-huh um, let's see. Uh, final email is from Elizabeth. Uh, I started watching Bridgerton only because I love your Poldark podcast and listening to the two of you bounce off each other. Aww. Thank you for the recommendation and thank you for the compliment. I've much enjoyed the first three episodes, but will slow down to enjoy your fan cast. I read the first book 20 years ago. God, it's hard to believe that they're that, they go back that long. Um, whew. Uh, should I ignore the unread stack of Regency romances I already have or read the other Bridgerton books instead? I get the impression the series is doing the first three books at once. Thank you for your snark and insights. It's actually still... A, I th oh, well, okay, it's really hard to say that because I haven't seen the whole series, but I, they mm -hmm. haven't cast Anthony's love interest, so I don't think they've, they're doing the first three books at once. I think this is mm. still only the first book. 
um, but they're just filling in a lot of people's backstories. And as mm-hmm. we said earlier, um, they're bringing characters from book five. <laughs> like, oh, wow. Bonkers. They're doing so much work. <laughs> this is like Game of Thrones <laughs> level, like, preparing. Um, I would say you absolutely have to read the second book. The second book is the Holy Grail. It is the best <laughs> book. Anthony's love interest and him are just just amazing. You will find out why I keep going on about bees and um, just get just get that in your life. Um, the books are only 99p on Amazon UK, so if you're a UK listener, you can get the first two books quite cheap. Um, on Kindle, obviously, not for the hardback or anything. That would be weird. So just do it. Yeah. Just get injected into your veins. Get it in your life. <laughs> Oh gosh, do it do it for me. <laughs> because Michelle can't. <laughs> I can't. So do it for me. Uh let's see. So what do we have in store for episode three? Uh the episode is called Art of the Swoon. Mm. <laughs> and the episode description reads as follows. After Daphne catches the eye of a royal suitor, she turns to Simon for relationship advice. <laughs> what? Oh my god. <laughs> Um, Lady Featherington tries to browbeat Marina into marriage. Uh, good, good. Her, her boyfriend is dead. <laughs> mm, yeah. Oh, yeah. So dead. Um, <laughs> this whole royal suitor, Simon and relationship advice thing never happened in the book, so uh-huh. that should be oh. insane. Okay. Um, yes. I'm really looking forward <laughs> to seeing more Daphne and Simon. There wasn't a lot this episode. They have intense chemistry, and I think they've turned Mm. the page into being really hot for each other. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I would... I'm absolutely looking forward to uh, Polly Walker, or seeing more Polly Walker in uh, this episode. Uh, She plays Lady Featherington, Um, because I think that the scenes with her and Ruby Barker, who plays Marina... um, Especially if there is the whole goal to get this this girl married thing. Um, I think they're going to be fabulous. I think the scenes are going to be I fabulous. I want to so. be a Featherington so bad. Um, I know that she's <laughs> not the kindest of mothers, but her outfits are yeah. fierce. And that scene where she's like, a lady does not play Penelope. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Can I go promenade? <laughs> Just, I love it. I'm like... Uh, Oh, give me all of her. Um, yes. Last night, the yes. Twitter feed for Netflix like released a photo of her taking a photo of uh, a photo of her taking a photo of the daughters, um, and it was very Chris Jennery. And I'm like, yes, that's why I like her. She has the kind of abusive power dynamic that is damaging to young ladies, but is hilarious to watch yes. on television. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, gosh. Well, of course, and you know that, you know, the, the minute that we finish uh, the episode today, I'm I'm going to dive into number three, uh, because I, I can't wait. It's actually I painful that I have to edit this instead of watching. Oh. The sacrifices I make. That is all from us this time. We'll be back next week, recapping and discussing the third episode, and we cannot wait. Until then, follow <laughs> us on social media. We are Bridgerton Fancast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. 
you can email us at bridgertonfastcast at gmail.com go to our message page on tumblr and remember to subscribe rate review review yes yes please it really helps us reach a larger audience thank you all for listening and we will see you soon bye guys (laughs) 